Well, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to put our worship services together. For Phyllis V. Meyer, who was our liturgist this morning, and for all of those who have been liturgists, uh, for Alan Wenzel, who coordinates that for us. If you'd like to serve as a liturgist, we'd love to have you, either in person or online or both, um, whichever you're most comfortable with, and we can make sure to get you recorded or however that's needed. Uh, thank you to our praise team for always offering the leadership of our music and for Gary Brubaker, who puts all of our music together for us. For all of those who have been a part of our in-person service, who have been ushers and greeters, thank you. Um, it's been um, it's been so wonderful to have so many voices and hands and, and people a part of our service. Now we are closing this morning our series on weird stories, those strange or weird stories of the Bible, some that we've known, some that we haven't, some that have been just strange or weird, maybe even amusing, and some that have been concerning or even disturbing. And we've looked at what the details have to say about the story and what the stories have to say to us about our faith. So we've looked at Lot's wife, Elisha and the bears, Balaam and the donkey, Jesus cursing the fig tree, and this morning we close with the story of Eutychus. So, would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, for the last few weeks, well, I guess really all the time, but especially for the last few weeks, we've been looking at very particular stories from the Bible. Some stories that we've learned in Sunday school and some that we haven't. Now, of course, um, somebody asked me um, about our church and they said, well, are you a Bible-believing church? And I said, well, of course, we are a Bible-believing church and we are a Bible-preaching church. So we look at the Bible every week um, and to see what it has to say to us. Now, we've looked at some very particular stories over the last couple of months, um, some that we've known, some that we haven't, um, and some of these stories may have made a huge impact on your faith, either now or when you were younger, or, or maybe they've meant something to you, and some, maybe you've thought, yeah, I can do without ever hearing that story again. Maybe it's had no impact. Maybe it's made you more curious about other stories or passages of the Bible, um, or maybe not, and that's okay. Um, I, um, I've spent a lot of time over the course of my ministry um, with a lot of t uh, people who identify as atheists or people who aren't so sure about their belief in God. Um, and oftentimes, at some point in our relationship and in our conversation, we talk about the Bible. Um, we talk about how to read it. We talk about what's in the Bible. Um, we talk about what the Bible may or may not mean. Now, of course, these are conversations that I have with people who are Christians or people who have faith, but um, the conversations are usually just a little bit different with people who have, um, who have complicated relationships. <clears throat> now, what I find is that many times the people who identify as atheists or who may have this complicated relationship with God um, or even just a complicated relationship with faith or even with church. Um, when we talk about um, when we talk about the Bible especially, they tend to know the Bible a little bit better than sometimes people of faith or people who um, do not identify as atheists or have this complicated relationship. Now that's not intended to shame anyone. <clears throat> um, 
But I think that what happens is when you are deconstructing your faith or where you're struggling or asking questions, um, you tend to look more and investigate more and perhaps even read more. And so some of these people who I've talked with and been in a relationship with um, have spent more time studying about what their faith, about what they believe or don't believe, um, and what they want to understand better about their faith. And I think that it is important that as people of faith, we know what our stories are. And I, I think that means all of our stories. I mean, it's great to know the stories of Jesus. Those are obviously important to who we are as, as Christian believers, as people of faith. The stories of Jesus are important. And I think it's important to know what some of the other stories too, what the other stories of scripture are, because our Bible isn't just the four gospels. It's not just the four gospels which tell the stories of Jesus. We have many other books in our Bible which also tell us about who we are, and finding out why they're a part of our story is just as important. I think it helps to give us grounding. I think it helps us understand what Jesus might have been talking about. I think it helps us understand God more. Um, it helps us understand the relationship between God and people more. And I think it just helps us understand our faith more and more. And it deepens our faith. Um, I, I, I love the Bible. I adore the Bible. I think that it is an important part of our faith. I think it's an important part to tell us these stories and to tell us about God, about Jesus, and about how we live our lives. And I love inviting people into this story, this story of faith, um, and help to understand it and to grow in their relationship in, with God and in their relationship with faith. I love this so much even these weird stories. So let's talk about this one today um, from the book of Acts. Um, now, again, the longer title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, um, and the even longer title is Luke Acts of the Apostles. So the Gospel of Luke is this, whoever wrote the Gospel of Luke, 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 um, is the same author as who wrote the Gospel, or is who wrote the book of Acts. So Acts picks up where Luke leaves off. And Acts tells the story of the early church. It tells about some of the disagreements of the disciples, how the church seemed to function in the beginning and sometimes didn't function. Um, it tells some of the missionary journeys of sharing the gospel. And in the book of Acts, we hear a little bit about the beginnings of Paul um, and who he is. Now we get more about who Paul is through some of his letters later in the New Testament, um, but through both the book of Acts and through the letters, we find out um, who Paul was and what kind of preacher or missionary or disciple he was. Um, now, I have said probably a bajillion times, people in scripture are sometimes really complicated and complex. Um, we tend to view them one way as sort of one dimensional, but they're actually, like human beings are, really complicated. And Paul is no different to that. I have also said a bajillion times of a really complicated relationship with Paul. <sighs> Maybe you do too. And that's probably something that we can talk about another day. But it's all to say that Paul is complicated. <clears throat> 
So we have this story of Eutychus. So the summary of the story. Um, it's a short little story about Paul and Eutychus. Paul goes to Troas um, on his third missionary journey, and he's on his way from Philippi to Jerusalem, where he's going to um, take an offering to Jerusalem for the orphans and widows of Jerusalem. Um, and Paul comes to Troas, and he intended to leave the next day, uh, but spent the night, well, and he spent the night, like just late into the night, talking, um, preaching, and teaching. Now, in the room, it says that there were many lamps that were lit, and Eutychus sat in the window, and as Paul was talking, Eutychus fell asleep and then fell out of the window. Um, he fell uh, out of the window three stories to the ground and, well, died. Um, like, kind of like you would expect. I mean, so Paul runs out, scoops up um, Eutychus, and says, he's not dead, he's not dead, everybody, let's go eat. Um, so they take Eutychus back up, finish dinner, and uh, Paul's like, I've got more to tell you. Um, then Paul leaves and Eutychus is alive, the end. Good story, right? Interesting story, strange story. Okay, so what is this, what's going on, right? All right, well, I think um, the moral of this story is don't fall asleep while the preacher is preaching or you might die. The end. Amen. Okay, that's not really the moral of the story, is it? Um, what if the moral of the story is, uh, hey, don't preach for hours on end? The end. Okay, let's look at some of the details of the story. Um, so Eutychus. Eutychus is a Greek name. Um, and it means you, the beginning of the name, you means good. Um, and to cuss means luck. So his name literally means good luck or good fortune. Now you can decide for yourself if he really lives up to his name. I mean, you fell out the window. Good luck. <laughs> hey, good luck fell out the window. Um, and also... He seemed to survive or was resurrected or lived. So, I mean, that's good luck. So um, maybe he lives up to his name or maybe he doesn't. But his name means good luck. I always find it interesting how these names kind of help to tell the story too. Now, in the scripture, it's pointed out that there were a lot of lamps lit in the room. And remember that there was no electricity at that time. So it wasn't a bunch of, you know, pull lamps or three-way light bulbs or Alexa didn't turn all the lights on in the room, but these were oil lamps. And so there was a lot of lamps lit in the room, which I think is an interesting detail, the fact that it's pointed out. Now, there's a few things that this could mean. It could mean that there were so many lamps and fumes from the lamps that Eutychus passed out from the fumes. Maybe he was feeling a little lightheaded from all the fumes, and so he sat in the window to get some fresh air and then well, you know the rest of the story. Maybe that's the point of saying why there's this many lamps in there. It could also be a detail for other people. So um, Christians, um, people who followed Jesus, were persecuted, especially in the Roman Empire. And they weren't persecuted because of their faith in Jesus necessarily, but because their faith in Jesus conflicted with Rome. Um, and with the Roman Empire. So they were persecuted for this. 
And as a persecuted people, there were often rumors or stories that got told about them that weren't true or pieces and parts of rituals or ways that they worshiped were said, but they were misunderstood or misinterpreted, whether intentionally misinterpreted or not. And actually, so one of the um, accusations hurled at the persecuting Christians or as, as the, by the persecutors of Christians was that they did, they do weird things in the dark. Like they have strange rituals that they do in the dark. You know, like this Lord's Supper that they have, like they eat this meal together. The body, the blood. Weird, right? Uh, not just weird, disturbing. Can you believe it? And so these stories get told, like they're doing strange things in the dark. You don't want to be a part of that group. So maybe the point of putting that in the story is to say, we're not doing strange things in the dark. This was done in the light. We had light everywhere. Nothing that happened was inappropriate. And maybe that's the point of the story. Now, did Eutychus die? Now, this is a question that's really debated among scholars and of people who read this, um, because some of the Greek words can be interpreted slightly differently. So did Paul say that there is life still in him, or there is life yet in him, or that there life is life in him? Now, it seems like that's so minor, but they have different meanings. You know, there is still life in him, so he hasn't died yet. There is life in him. Um, there is yet life in him. So what was happening? Did, what did Paul say? And the Greek is a little unclear and can be interpreted differently. Um, now, when Luke said that he had been taken up dead, did he say that he'd been taken up dead or was he supposedly dead? I mean, because again, that's a little different. Like, are you dead or supposedly dead? <clears throat> For the Greek, it, it can be interpreted in either, in either way. So it's up to you how you interpret it. What do you think? Now, do you think a miracle happened and Paul brought Eutychus back to life through the power of Jesus Christ? Do you think that Eutychus passed out from the gas and was knocked unconscious and woke up from a fall after some CPR? Isn't it a miracle either way? Maybe the miracle is that he was risen from the dead. Maybe the miracle is that he survived this fall. Maybe the miracle is that he's around at all. Good luck. Maybe that's the point of the story. Now, Paul, um, Paul often had problems being known as a disciple because he wasn't a part of the original group. And in fact, Paul was persecuting Christians um, like the apostles uh, shortly after Jesus' death, before Paul's conversion. And so some of the original 11 disciples, you know, the 12 minus Judas, 
um, some of the original 11 didn't like Paul calling himself an apostle because they were like, you weren't with us the whole time. You didn't know Jesus. You weren't with him. You weren't, you, in fact, you were like against us. And so they had problems with Jesus. But this story offers a little bit of legitimacy to Paul. He performs miracles just like the others. So maybe he has the same authority as the other 11. And it's an authority that comes from Jesus Christ. It's not his own. It's not Paulianity. It's not because Paul does anything, but it's because he does this through Jesus Christ. And maybe that's the point of the story. So what is the point of the story? Because it really does tell us a lot. It tells us about Christian practices. It tells us about them eating together and sharing the meal and the Lord's Supper. It tells us about miracles and you can interpret a miracle however that means for you. It tells us about Paul. It tells us about the power of God and what God can do. It tells us not to sit on the edge of windows when you're drowsy. And what if that's also a point? What if it's a point to take care of ourselves better, to have healthy boundaries and get good rest? It tells us to pay attention to our spiritual lives. It tells us a lot. Now, it's a weird story. It's a strange story. And maybe you're still going, I don't think that it has anything to do with anything. Maybe. What if, what if it does? Because these stories, they tell us who we are as a people of faith. They tell us our past. It tells us our present. And it also tells us our future. These stories give us hope. They give us inspiration. They give us courage. They give us truth. And what we do with them, well, that's the part that's up to us. How will they change how we live our lives for the better? How to love God and love others? How will they teach us how to live deeper into our faith? How will they show us how to practice our faith? What we do with them is up to us. So may these stories wake us up before we fall out of a window and help us all to believe. Thanks be to God. Amen.